0: Ministry. We've been talking about this title, Welcome to the Ministry. Like it or not, you're in it. That's the truth about every Christian. Did anybody remember to memorize that definition that I gave you? I, the note I sent out to everybody said today, it's okay to cheat. Look at your notes and you can get it, but work on it a little bit. Let's, let's repeat that definition of ministry together. Speak out loudly if you would. Ready? Ministry takes place when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels to the glory of god in other words we are to be used of god to accomplish things and we tonight the title of the message is we are distributors not manufacturers i think some of the time we think i can't do this i don't have the ability to do this i don't know how to do this that's fine just do what god lets you do and get started doing something for the lord and then, then you will see that if once you're starting to go in a, in a direction, God will expand that beyond that. I, I can't believe the things that the Lord's let me do, but it all began because I started off by just simply doing what I was told to do as a youth, as a, as a teenager, and as a child. And then God opened up other opportunities along the way. So it's a, it's a great opportunity to see how that goes. So we cannot do ministry, look at page 2 again, we cannot do ministry without divine enablement. We can't do it in our own strength, it's impossible. Uh, We will not do ministry without seeing the need. We have to have our eyes open and see people around us who have needs, have to have a burden. We have have to ask God to open our eyes so that we can see the things that are out there. We're going to get to that down the road. We are merely channels of God's resources. We'll talk about that in more detail, but we are going to discuss that a little bit tonight. And then if God is not glorified, we failed to do ministry. If, if ministry is about making me feel good about what I did, I know sometimes there are social workers that they go do social work and that makes me feel good. And whether they did anything or not doesn't matter. They feel good about what they did. That's not ministry. That makes me feel good. Ministry is about glorifying God, not making me feel good. It's not even totally about meeting the needs of somebody else. It's about glorifying God as you do it. And so we're going to be talking about all those sort of things, okay? So God doesn't ask us to do ministry in our own strength. I, have, I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say, I can't do this. I don't know how to do this. I don't know what to do. Let me tell you. <laughs> Let me tell you. Pastor will tell you. Uh, I don't know what I'm doing half the time. I'm just doing what I know to do right now, and we'll see what God does down the road. And uh, that's all we can do—is do what God gives us the ability to do, do, do today, and then we'll get to see what we get to do down the road. Now, I want you to pay close attention. Look in your Bibles, if you would, Exodus chapter four. Of course, you've got it in your notes if you're if you're if you're just looking at those. But I I am always amazed at this. In Exodus chapter three, you see the burning bush. Moses is out in the middle of the wilderness. Remember now. Let's review. Who was Moses? He grew up. Born as a as a slave child, the king had all the male children. They wanted them all killed. All the Jewish male children, he wanted them killed. His mother put him in a basket and threw him in the Nile, Nile River. Had his sister watch over him, and uh, the basket floated along. And Pharaoh's daughter found him, and she raised him as her own son. And that was great because his mother got paid to, n- to nurse him, and his mother got paid to take care of him. And, uh, and Miriam was right there also to help babysit. And so the mother and the older sister got, got uh, paid to take care of the boy that they brought into the world. An amazing story. But then he was educated in, in the greatest schools of Egypt. He was, he was heir to the throne of Pharaoh's throne. Uh, so he had riches and honor. And, the, and uh, I've read some history books that talk about Moses being so good looking that when he got in a chariot and drove through the city of uh, Cairo or wherever he was, that the women would come out just to stare at this good-looking guy as he went out, went down the road. He was good-looking, he was strong, he was, he was s- uh, smart, educated, he had everything going for him. And then he tried to do ministry in his own strength. Somewhere along the line, he got the idea that he was supposed to be the deliverer of the children of Israel. And in his own strength, he killed a man. And then he had to run out in the middle of nowhere. And he spent a long time out in the middle of nowhere. And God had to humble him and knock him down and take all the wind out of his sails and help him to understand, you can't do this ministry without me. You can't. And then he got to where he was so low, when God did call him, he said, I still don't think I can do it. Well, you know, truth of the matter is that's a good place to be. That's a good place to be. Because when you know you can't do it, and then God uses you, There's a thrill in that, there's a joy in that, there's a confidence in that, that God did it and you didn't. That's where we need to be. And so in Exodus chapter 3, we see that uh, Moses is walking through the desert and he comes up on this burning bush and discovers that it's God. God tells him, take off your shoes. Where you're walking is holy ground and God has a conversation with him. Then we go into chapter 4 and uh, that conversation is continuing. In chapter 4, then Moses said, What if they will not believe me? God had told him, You're going to go in and you're going to tell Pharaoh, Let my people go. And you're going to be the leader and the deliverer, and God's going to use you. And what if they will not believe me or listen to what I say? For they may say, The Lord has not appeared to you. And the Lord said to him, What is that in thy hand? And he said, A staff. I thought about that, a staff. I got this old, ugly stick out in my backyard when I lived in New England. And it's a pretty handy, nice little walking stick. It really is, and and walking through the streets of San Francisco, nobody messes with me carrying this thing. But uh, but the, the, I probably get arrested for carrying it. I'm not sure, but uh, I, that's why it stays in my office. It just sits there. I use it every once in a while if we take a hike or something. But I kept it kind of as an illustration of the kind of stick that God told Moses, "I want you to I want you to use," and a, and a little old stick. Big, ugly stick, whatever you want to call it. A stick like this was something that God used to illustrate to Moses how he could use him. So let's go back there. What is that in nine hand in verse 2? And he said, a staff. Then he said, throw it on the ground. I'm not going to do that because I'm afraid I'll get a snake out of it. Anyway, anyway, so verse 3 says, so he threw it on the ground and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from it. But the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand, grab it by his tail. Now, if you've ever catched a snake, you know you don't grab him by the tail. You grab him right behind the head. I caught a water moccasin like that one time. I don't want to talk about that right now. I'll tell tell you about that. That's another story. But um, so he stretched out his hand and he caught it. And it became a staff in his hand that they might uh, believe that the Lord, the God of the fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. He said, you do that once in a while. People believe you. Throw that on the ground, it turns into a snake, you grab it by the tail, and it turns into a stick again. People are going to pay attention, okay? Verse 6, the Lord furthermore said to him, now put your hand into your bosom. So he had to put his hand inside of his robe or his shirt. And he said, "So uh, so he put his hand into his bosom, and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. And he said, put your hand in your bosom again. So he put his hand into his bosom again, and when he took it out of his bosom, behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. If they will not believe you or heed the witness of the first sign, the staff, they may believe the witness of the last sign. But if they will not believe even these two signs or heed what you say, then you shall take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. And the water which you take from the Nile will become blood on the dry ground. See, God uses these illustrations of simple, everyday things. A stick, a hand, a little bit of water. He says, I want you to see... I can use simple things for my glory. I can use anything for my glory. I can use any one for my glory. Verse 10, Then Moses said to the Lord, Please, Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither recently nor in time past, nor since you have spoken to your servant, for I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. The Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? And who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now then go, and I, even I, will be with your mouth and teach you what you are to say. ever been that way when you're trying to witness to somebody and you're going, I I, I don't know what to say. I don't know what's next. I can't remember that Bible verse. I can't, I, I, I'm afraid I'll forget. And it's amazing, if you start witnessing to someone, it's almost like the Lord says, okay, this is what I want you to say. And it's almost like it comes out of your mouth. If you've done your homework and you've done your study and you've done your preparing and you, you've made yourself available, I even I will be with your mouth and teach you what you're to say verse 13 but he said please Lord now send the message by whomever you will get somebody else I don't want to do it you feel that way I can't do it I don't know how verse 14 then the anger of the Lord burned against Moses and he said is there not your brother Aaron the Levite I know that he speaks fluently moreover behold he is coming out to meet you when he sees you he will be glad in his heart you are to speak to him and put the words in his mouth And I, even I, will be with your mouth and with his mouth, and I will teach you what you are to do. Moreover, he shall speak for you to the people, and he will be as a mouth for you, and you will be as God to him, and you shall take the hand in your hand, this staff with which you shall perform the signs. And he used this thing to part waters. He used this thing to call down all those plagues. He used a simple stick because God wanted him to use it. We don't have a clue what it is that we're doing sometimes. But we just need to be available, a tool in the master's hand to let him do what he wants done with us. Whether it be our mouth, whether it be our going, whether it be our staying, whether it be our praying. Whatever it is that we're supposed to do, we just give ourselves to the Lord and say, use me. Bottom of page three, God does not ask us to do his work in our own strength. Nor does he always show us beforehand how he's going to use us in this work. God simply says, what have I put in your hand? Use what I provided for you. I'm going to do the work anyway. And that's the way it works. That's the way ministry works. Page four. The trouble with most of us, uh, Warren Wearsby said, the trouble with too many of us is that we think God called us to be manufacturers, creators of ministry, creators of opportunity, creators of talent, creators of whatever, creators of the gospel, when he really called us to be distributors. I think of Amazon. I think of Walmart. They could target. They don't make anything. Man, are they being used to distribute stuff. You and I need to be distributors. God's created it. We need to be sharing what God has given to us. We're going to talk about that. He alone has the resources to meet human needs. All we can do is receive his riches and share them with others. Again, I've told you before, what is, what is witnessing? It's, it's one beggar telling another beggar where he found bread. That's what it is. We're just busy doing, sharing what God has done in our lives, and what God has said in his word, and what God has called us to do, and we just do what he's asked us to do. Look in your songbook for just a minute here, that song we sang earlier, all I ever want to be, look at the words there, all I ever want to be is what you want of me, Lord. I give my life to you. All my hopes and dreams and plans I place within your hands, Lord, and give my life to you. Verse 2, every day you give me grace. I find my strength in you, Lord. I give my life to you. And though it seems that I will fail, and we think we will, through you I will prevail. I give my life to you. That's the attitude we need to have when it comes to ministry. We don't do this. We just share what God has done. And we do what we can with what he has given to us. If you don't have the ability to preach, he doesn't want you to preach. If you don't have the ability to go to the mission field, he doesn't want you to be a mission v- missionary. But he wants you to do what you can do. What he has gifted you to do. We talked about those spiritual gifts. We spent a lot of time talking about spiritual gifts the last few weeks. Last week we went through these long definitions of all these things and gave you some things to study out. You've taken uh, surveys and you graded yourselves and you You've, you've grafted it all out, and, and some of you are still going, I still don't know what I'm supposed to do, right? Am I right? And you're still going, I don't know. Just do what you can. Just do what you can. Do the next right thing. Moses didn't think he could do it. And he did like that buck and Bronco on page four. You know, no, send somebody else. God said, no, I'm not, I'm not, you're not going to buck me off. I'm hanging on. I've called you, and I'm equipped to you. And I'm not going to let you off the hook. I want you to do what I've called you to do. And remember we read in Exodus where it said, and the anger of the Lord burned against him because he bucked. We need to be careful as we make the Lord angry because we just simply say, no, I refuse. I won't. That's a dangerous place to be. God got a hold of Moses, and he knows how to get your attention. Whatever spiritual gift you've been given, you must come to understand that God expects you to use it. That's a good quote. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26, page, middle of page 4. Consider your calling, brethren, that there are not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty. There are a few. Really smart people, really rich people, really super strong people, really good looking people like me. And, uh, but not many noble. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. Normal, everyday people. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. And the base things of the world, and the despised God has chosen, the things that are not, so that he may nullify the things that are, so that no man may boast before God. But by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption, so that just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. If God uses you, just give him the glory. I get notes every once in a while. Oh, Pastor, that was a great message. Sometimes I get the other side, too. That wasn't so good. I just say, praise the Lord. I'm just trying to deliver what God's given me. Okay? That's all we need to do. That's all we can do. We have nothing in ourselves to give. But when God gives us something to give, we're supposed supposed to use it. Start with what's in your hand. And let God do a miracle with it. Anytime you are used to lead someone to Christ, you know that's a miracle. Anytime you're used to get God's Word out and you see it change somebody's life, that's a miracle. But it wasn't you that did it, it was God. Through the equipment and the training and the abilities and the gifting that He gave you. Moses wasn't the only one God used to distribute His grace. There was a beggar uh, when Peter and John went to the temple in Acts chapter 3. You can turn the page there and you can see this guy. He was a beggar who sat there and he couldn't walk and he'd been there many years. And Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer, Acts chapter 3, verse 1. I'm on page 5 in the notes if you want to look. And a man who'd been lame from his mother's womb was being carried along. He never had ever walked in his life. Whom they used to set down every day at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, in order to beg alms of those who were entering the temple. And when he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he began asking to receive arms. Give me something. I need something. We see people like this often. But Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze on him and said, look at us. And he began to give them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I do not possess gold or silver. But what I do have, I give to you. I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have, I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you what God gave me to give you. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, walk. Well, that was better than silver and gold, wasn't it? And seizing him by the right hand, he raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were strengthened he never walked. And all of a sudden he's, verse 8, leaping. He stood upright and began to walk. And he entered the temple with him, walking and leaping and praising God, just like you would if God had healed you that day. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they were taking note of him as being the one who used to sit at the beautiful gate of the temple to beg alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. What had Peter and John done? I don't have anything to give you. But God gave me something to give you. Is this okay? And wow, was it okay, right? And God used that to open up other eyes for more people to come to Christ. What did he do? They did what they could with what they had in their hand, and they didn't even see it. It was just something that God gave them, and He handed it, and this man was healed. We don't know how God's gonna use us, but we are to use what God gives us for him. And he's glorified, people are helped, and uh, and, uh, we are amazed at what he does with us. God is glorified when we take on the mentality that I am not a manufacturer of anything good that I do. I'm just merely a distributor of what God gave me. That's where we need to be. So, what a privilege. What a privilege it is. You see, I think we live in fear of being used of God. We live in fear of serving God. We, I have to, No, it's a privilege to just do what God asks us to do. What an honor to be used of Him. We don't have anything within us the world needs, but we do have what God needs for them to have. God wants them to have. We have the grace of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 10, when we make ourselves available to the Lord, we find ourselves as sorrowful and yet always rejoicing as poor yet making many rich as having nothing yet possessing all things i think back to my mother when i think of that she didn't have a she barely had a high school education she raised 5 kids and sent all of us into some form of ministry at one point or the other somehow on a social security check when she was 35, 33, 34 years old, she left with five kids and she somehow got all those kids through college. She got all those kids through a Christian school. We all had vehicles to drive. We didn't have any money, but God provided everything simply because my mother said, I'm just going to do what God wants me to do. And I'm going to train these kids and do what God wants them to do. I've seen this. I've lived it. I know it works. Ministry is simply distributing what God gives you and it's amazing what he can do if you make yourself a channel of blessing when we stop trying to serve in our own strength and simply use what God puts in our hands the opportunities he gives us are life changing and it's far beyond our own ability Jesus gives another story that kind of illustrates this in the in the four gospels all four this is one of the few miracles that's in all four of the gospels Matthew Mark Luke and John it's the feeding of those five thousand an impossible situation Absolutely, and that's just five thousand men plus the women and children. So who knows how many people were there? I remember in college, we, I the, the amphitorium at Bob Jones seated like I don't know five thousand people, seven thousand people, something like that. And I remember doing a pulpit speech or a, or a, maybe it was a some other class. I talked about the feeding of the five thousand. I said, imagine two loaves and five fish, or two two fish and five loaves, and the size of the amphitorium got fed. That's an amazing thing to visualize, to, to, to think that could possibly happen. But what was the disciples' response? Send them away, it's not our problem. Uh, get more money, we don't have enough, we need a bigger budget. Thirdly, we can't do this. The need is greater than our resources. That's, that's their response. Look at the next page, page six. Like, like the disciples, we often see the problems rather than recognizing that God has the solution. And we focus on the problems rather than the possibilities of what God could do if we would just simply let him use us. What was the disciples' response? Send them away. It's not our problem. Luke chapter 9 verse 12. Now the day was ending. And uh, Matthew, Mark, all, all, all three of those gospels have the same, re- uh, the same record. The day was ending and the twelve came and said to him, Send the crowd away <laughs> that they may go into the surrounding villages and countryside and find lodging and get something to eat. For here we are in a desolate place. Sometimes people come to us with needs and we want to say, oh, geez, I don't have time. Get away from me. I, I, I don't know how to deal with that. Just go away. I, I don't even want to deal with that. Just go away. It's, it's too big. It's too hard. It's too difficult. No, that's our attitude a lot of times. That's not the attitude God wants us to have. The other attitude, get more money. We need a bigger budget. We don't have enough. John chapter 7, verses 1 through 7. After these things, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, And a large crowd followed him because they saw the signs which he was performing on those who were sick. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was near. Therefore Jesus, lifting up his eyes and seeing that a large crowd was coming coming to him, said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these may eat? I can almost see Jesus kind of smirking under his beard. Verse 6, this, is he, this he was saying to test him, for he himself knew what he was intending to do. And Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them for everyone to receive a little. We don't have the budget for this. We've only got 200 denarii, denarii whatever that is, however much money that is. But it wasn't enough. Verse uh, or Page 7, God was trying to teach the disciples that you are not the manufacturers, you are the distributors. He recorded this so that you and I would get the understanding. We are not manufacturers of good. We are not manufacturers of the gospel. We are not manufacturers of ministry. We are just distributors of what God allows us to do. The third response, we can't do this. Resources are insufficient. John 7, verse 8, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a lad here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are these for so many people? There's no way. It kind of goes along with that same attitude of we need a bigger budget. And then Jesus steps in. He says, "Look, well, have them sit down." I like Mark chapter six, verse thirty-nine. Jesus commanded them all to sit down by groups on the green grass. They sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, and he took five loaves and two fish. And you know what? I'm thinking here. I'm looking at this group here. I said, "I couldn't feed all. Of, I couldn't feed this little group with, with five pieces of bread and two fish." Y'all look at me, going, "What's the matter with you, Pastor?" You better throw that stick on the ground and see what happens. That's what you'd be saying. (laughs) (coughs) Verse 41. And he took the five loaves and the two fish, and he looked up toward heaven. Even Jesus understood we're just channels of this blessing. Now, he was a son of God, but he was giving us an example. He blessed the food and broke the loaves and kept giving them to the disciples to set before them and he divided up the two fish among them all and they all ate and were satisfied verse 43 and they picked up 12 baskets of the broken pieces they had more than they got done than they had when they started and also the fish there were and also the fish and there were 5,000 men who ate the loaves or in weirdly put it well the multiplication took place in the hands of Jesus the distribution took place in the hands of the disciples Ministry takes place when God calls us, enables us. What is that definition we have? Ministry takes place when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels to the glory of God. That's ministry. We just do what God lets us do. John chapter 15, verses 4 and 5 Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, ye can do nothing. Hey, J. Jesus is the manufacturer of the gospel. We are merely his distributors. Get this overhead in your head. You are a distributor. You're just passing along what God has given you. Get this in your head. Get this in your heart. Get this into your soul. God has gifted you with the equipment that he's given you, the gifting that he's given you, the opportunities that he's given you, the history that he's given you, the training that he's given you. He's gifted all this to you. You're just to pass it on. You're just to share it with others. You're just to give somebody else what someone gave to you. You're to touch the future with truth from the past that somebody gave you. Once you accept yourself as a distributor of God's, Riches and not a manufacturer, you will experience a wonderful new freedom and joy in service. You won't be afraid of new challenges because you know God has the resources to meet them. Now listen, if God doesn't provide the resources, he doesn't want you to do it. He just doesn't. You won't be frustrated trying to manufacture everything needed to get the job done, and when God blesses your work, you won't be tempted to take the credit. God did this. I didn't. This is the attitude we need to have. If God helps you to do anything, just make sure he gets the credit. Start your ministry with whatever it is that God has placed in your hands. I like this idea here. Experience, training, money, talent, good looks, education, can all be liabilities in the work of the Lord. One of my pastor friends, he's about that tall, dear friend of mine. I'm not going to say his name. You might know him. He 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 says he has talked to other people. And he calls. He, he's seen a lot of people go in ministry. A lot of people try to serve in the church, and they're a flash in the pan. He calls them tall, tan, terrific Christians. They're good looking. They're tall. Everybody thinks they're wonderful, and they don't last. They they just don't last. They fizzle, and they flop. Why? Because they think they can do it themselves. That's a problem. You can't teach a Sunday school class. You can't cook a meal. You can't do any kind of ministry unless God enables you to do it. You need him. You need him. I need him. Every time, you don't see this, every time I stand up here to teach or I stand up to preach, I'm in a back room someplace saying, Lord, help me, I don't know how to do this. Because I don't. I'm just passing along what I've learned. Moses had all those things. He had good looks. He had wealth. He had power. He had political power. He had a future that was laid out for him, and it was a liability. God said, I have to knock you down a notch, and then he built him back up as a channel of blessing. All the gifts and the things and the abilities that you have are tools in the hands of God, or they're an anchor that'll keep you from doing something for the, for the Lord give it to him and use it for him and be amazed at what he does with your life now when god works everyone involved is blessed the dream of returning home to the promised land was god's doing it wasn't moses's doing he just went along with what god had allowed do you think moses parted the red sea no do you think moses brought manna out of heaven no no that was god Moses was just there being the tool. Psalm 126, verses 1 through 3, when the Lord brought back the captive ones of Zion, and I know this is probably talking about later on the those who came back from, from uh, captivity. But when the Lord brought back the captive ones of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter, and our tongue was with joyful shouting. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Miracles cannot be explained, but they sure can be enjoyed. And it's amazing what can happen if we will surrender ourselves to the Lord. Look, page 9. I was going through and looking as I was thinking about this, and I picked up the old history of our church. Pretty amazing thing. If you've never seen this, you've never read it, you ought to You ought to get a copy of it and take a look at it. I'm not going to loan you mine. I'm afraid I'll never see it again. But... Um, In 1877, a Swedish sea captain, not a preacher, not an evangelist, a Swedish sea captain came to San Francisco and said, they need a church. He was only here four years, and when he left, there was a church. He was a tool in the hands of the Lord, an ordinary, everyday man. Now, pretty remarkable if you read about his life. But still, just a saying, he was a man who, the reason he was remarkable is because he gave his life to the Lord. And then another man named Joseph Bromley, rode the transcontinental railroad over here and and he was only pastor here for two or three years. He was on. And you can go up in that hallway upstairs outside the offices and you can see the whole list of people who came here just for a little while. Channels of God's blessing doing what God wants them to do. Some longer than others. But all of them were just simply doing what God called them to do. And those men on the wall only represent... The hundreds and thousands, literally, of people over the 140-year history of Hamilton Square Baptist Church who've simply been vessels in the hands of God, conduits of God's blessing in this place. And some gone on to other places, some done other things, but simply because they've made themselves available. Now, you look at yourself, and you look at others around you, and you think, we're not much. We don't have to be much. We just have to be used of God. We can be as ugly as that stick and be used of God if we will let him use us. Where will this city be because God sent you here? How will you use your gifts and calling in the work God has called you to do? Who will look back at what you did here in the will of God and be amazed at what God did through you? It's going to be amazing. Psalm 118 verse 23 says it well. This is the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes. We are blessed the most by simply being used of God to do what he's called us to do. Bottom of page nine, when we look at our church budget and the economy around the world today, stocks are dropping like crazy, like rocks. Prices are going up. We're going, how are we going to do this? We're going to do this because if God wants it done, he's going to pay for it. And I don't know how. You don't know how. Let's do what God lets us do and keep on going. When we turn our eyes upon Jesus and look in his wonderful face, we can know that if we do what he has called us to do, by his grace, the miraculous can happen. Right here on this corner in this city that most people in the United States wish would just fall off in the ocean. And I've had a few fights with people lately about that attitude. And I'll continue fighting for it. If the gospel is not good for San Francisco, it's no good for anywhere. But it is good. And we are distributors of it. Bob Cook of Youth for Christ Ministries years ago said this. If you can explain what's going on, God didn't do it. That's a great statement. I've seen the miraculous. Oh, no, I haven't walked on water. I haven't healed, uh, you know, a lame person. But I've seen God do some amazing things simply because we've made ourselves available. You can see the same things. Page 10. The Apostle Paul was one of the most gifted and talented and educated men of his day. And yet he didn't make much of himself. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 10 and 11. By the grace of God I am what I am. And his grace toward me did not prove vain. But I labored even more than all of them. Yet not I but the grace of God within me. Channel of blessing. When uh, Whether then it was I or they. So we preach and you believe. So Paul didn't make much of himself. But he recognized that he was just a pipe. And God was one blowing the blessings through. That's the way you and I need to look at our lives. We are just a conduit to share what God has given us. There are riches available to us from God that are beyond our comprehension. I'm not talking about finances. I'm not talking about wealth. I'm not talking about getting rich. This is not, this is not a, a health and wealth message. This is just saying, let God use you. And the blessings are amazing. Amazing. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 7 and 8. In him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses. What? According to the riches of his grace. Not because of anything we manufactured. Which he lavished on us. Lavished on us. I love that term. More than we can handle. Bigger than our need. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 4 through 6. God being rich in mercy. Because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Oh, physically we're not there yet, but that's where we belong. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 16, The riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. God can give you everything that you need to be a strong believer. can share the gospel with other people but you got to walk with him you got to let him use you you got to be surrendered to him you've got to be submitted to his will Philippians chapter 4 verse 19 my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus not your riches you may have a lot of money but you won't have everything you need unless you have Christ Ephesians chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me according to the working of his power. To me, the very least of all saints, this grace was given to me to preach the Gentile, to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ. I am a conduit of the great things that God has in store for this world. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. God is able to make all grace abound to you. So that always, having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. If God has called you to do something, he will enable you to do it. And you just need to simply trust him and step forward. And throw the stick on the ground and pick it up. Stick your hand in your bosom. Whatever it is God wants you to do, you do it and then stand in awe because he did it through you page 11 we'll end this up we will never exhaust all the blessings God has manufactured on our behalf we can't do it we can't do it and on the behalf of all those around us who need to know His provision God's salvation is great enough for San Francisco God's Gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ is great enough for San Francisco, for the United States, for California, another place that everybody wishes to fall off in the ocean. And God has put us here to be used as vessels in His ministry. So don't run from it, embrace it and stand in awe of what God will do as we move forward in the work of Christ. Romans chapter 11, verse 33. That should be our spirit. That should be our attitude as distributors, not manufacturers of what needs to be done in ministry. Passing along what God has called us and enabled us. Wiersbe made this comment. Begin by confessing your bankruptcy. Be like Moses out in the wilderness. I, 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 no, I can't do this. Then accept God's grace for salvation. And then for the ministry he's called you to do. Okay, God, I believe you. And then get busy distributing what God has provided to those who need it. Just get busy. Do what you can. Start where you are. Use the ugly stick. Whatever it is that God made it. Put, put in your hand. It's a good little song. In the harvest field now ripened, there's a work for all to do. Hark, the voice of God is calling to the harvest, calling you little as much if God is in it. Labor not for wealth or fame. There's a crown, and you can win it if you'll go in Jesus' name. Will you let God use you as a distributor of His work? The gospel, the good deeds that need to happen to help people come there. Pick up your stick. Father, thank you for this opportunity to be reminded of what you can do through us. For we feel so insignificant. We feel so inadequate. We just don't think we can do it. The task seems much bigger than anything we can do. And yet we know that you are bigger than any problem that comes our way and that your gospel is sufficient to meet the needs of every person, all seven to eight billion of them on this earth, if they'll come to you. Help us to get the gospel to them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.